We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah, easy peasy? So easy. Well, the best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. Okay, when did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Well, let's just say I'm a weirdo and I want to be messy and see what you're up to, like who you're hanging with. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. I knew you did that. <laughs> no, I did not do that. I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends and then use that money any place Apple Pay is accepted. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Monica, please keep it in the chat. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC, terms apply. Hello, I'm David Farrier. We've talked a lot about conspiracy theories on this show, with a dash of serial killers on the site, and an occasional drop of Bigfoot. But we haven't touched on something incredibly dangerous, something that sucks in even the smartest and most intelligent people. It's been 20 years since the Heaven's Gate cult stunned San Diego, a mass suicide there in that mansion in Rancho Santa Fe that nobody could have imagined. Cults are all around us and they have been for a really long time. Whether it's the 39 members of Heaven's Gate drinking poison washed down with applesauce, or the Branch Davidians facing off with the FBI in a 51-day siege. I think we can all agree that cults get pretty scary. But not all cults are white robes, caches of guns, and long beards. From multi-level marketing schemes to certain shadowy religious groups, cults are alive and well. Which is why in the mid-2000s, actors from shows like Battlestar Galactica and Smallville decided to join a group led by a charismatic volleyball fan called Keith Ranieri. Over the next 10 years, Keith took his Nexium self-help group and morphed it into a full-on sex cult, members branding each other with their founders' initials. It was a shocking story when it made headlines in April. An alleged cult leader and former network TV star both arrested on sex trafficking charges. It all went pear-shaped for Ranieri when members started deflecting. He fled to Mexico, but by 2019, he got sentenced to 120 years in prison for federal crimes like the sex trafficking of children and conspiracy to commit forced labor. The thing about Nexium, its members were smart, driven, good-looking, and successful. So get ready to join a group of like-minded people who mean well, but end up looking around 10 years later going, holy shit. I think I'm in a cult. This is the Nexium episode. This is the rare episode of Armchair and Dangerous that I happen to know a ton about. 
generally you're coming to these and I don't know shit about the JFK thing or you name it. I really like this. All I know is I watched The Vow on HBO, which is this documentary about Nexium from a few years ago, and I got incredibly blown away by that doc. And that's kind of all I know, plus what I've researched over the last month. So I want to learn from you about this thing as well. I too watched The Vow, but prior to that, I listened to a great podcast, I think was called Escaping Nexium. So many things flashed across my mind. Favorite tidbits of Keith Ranieri. I mean, I'm so glad you referred to him as a volleyball <laughs> enthusiast. And then there's also that incredible moment in The Vow and the two dudes are coming to terms with the fact that they were in it and left. And he goes, yeah, remember he was a judo champ but at like seven so he like he went around telling people he was this judo champ he's a great volleyball player but most impressively i want to say he said his iq was 240 which prior to that i didn't think it went above 200 but he claims that he had a 240 iq yeah, Keith Raniere strikes me as the biggest narcissist you can imagine. Like He was so full of self-confidence. I think some of the stuff he said he actually believed. And mm-hmm. he was always a hustler. Nexium started back in 1998, which was kind of like his self-help group that he formed. You'd turn up if you wanted some more direction in your life. And he provided the structure where you would move up the ranks and you'd get little sashes that you'd put around your neck as you progressed up the ranks and you'd pay for this leadership program. I think it was called the Executive Success Program. Mm, That's mm -hmm. kind of where it started. It was like a really ESP boring business thing. Yeah, ESP. A lot of acronyms. So many. These things all love acronyms. I guess it stems originally from the military or something. I don't know, but they love their acronyms. Yeah, they love acronyms and they love buzzwords. Even Keith Ranieri, the leader, he looks like a big old nerd, which is why it's incredible when you start sleeping with all the members. But he called himself Vanguard, so you had to refer to him as Vanguard, which sounds like kind of wafty, but he just stole that off a video game from the 80s that was called Vanguard. What? It's the dumbest, least subtle thing ever. Just to kind of give credit where it's due, I think the original Nexium self-help stuff, A, people definitely got a lot out of it, and B, I think a lot of it was just pirated from Landmark and a couple other well-known self-help groups that do have valid points. It's funny you bring up Landmark because Landmark's something that kept coming up in my life in New Zealand because I had a few members of Landmark try and get me into that. And I'm still murky on the cult level of Landmark and how dicey that place is. And I think Landmark, all of it originates from ESP. ESP, yeah. ESP. ESP. So they're all kind of like refining and trickling down from, you know, the 70s ESP, or maybe it's 80s, I don't know. It was certainly a prominent plot point in the americans yep i remember that (laughs) i know that's how i remember it too (laughs) have you guys ever been in any kind of program or like had a call from anyone in one of these programs like apologizing for all the wrongs they've done to you have you been drawn in in any way we have a good friend that has been to many landmark he was in landmark he did the whole thing yep and he loved it and he has told us many of the principles and we love most of the ones we've heard I read Dianetics ages ago, Ron L. Hubbard's Scientology <laughs> text. dropping that real cash. <laughs> I read Dianetics. I followed that for 10 to 15 years. <laughs> no, just, yeah, I'm a Scientologist. I need to tell you guys. No, there was some stuff in there that was just practical advice on how to live. If you didn't know what it was linked to, you wouldn't necessarily think it was completely crazy. Yeah, I think a lot of these places are really good at helping you organize your thoughts delineate between what's objective and what's subjective, 
learning how to communicate, learning how to be assertive, learning how to have boundaries. Like these are all great principles. AA has a bunch of great stuff. It wouldn't be successful if it didn't have these tenants that are actually good, that lure you in. Because especially with Next Human, the people who are involved in that seem totally smart and with it and not needing yeah. a leader necessarily, just wanting to better themselves. And you and I had a great conversation about this. In watching The Vow, I actually pinpointed Keith Raniere's real genius. Now, whether that put him at 240 or not, I don't know. But <laughs> there is something peculiar about Nexium. Unlike, say, Heaven's Gate or Koresh, that seemed to prey on people who weren't super educated or worldly, this seemed to almost attract exclusively pretty bright people. And I thought that was really curious. And then there was a moment yeah. in the doc, The Vow, where he meets this actress. She asks him a question, you know, what do you think the meaning of blank is? And he says, what do you think the meaning of blank is? And so what I watched happen real time, which was fascinating, was that smart people were drawn to that. He is labeled as the smartest person there with a 240 IQ. So the smart person has to come up with an answer that they think will impress him. So they themselves come up with the answer that is most believable to them. And then he basically just says, yes. So he makes you invent the answer to everything. It's obviously the one you thought was best anyways, why you pitched it to him. And then he agrees with it. And I'm like, this motherfucker didn't have to think anything. He just had to ask them back what they thought. It's kind of <laughs> genius. That scene that jumped out at you and at me, and it's Alison Mack, who's now in prison over all of this. But she was this huge actor in Smallville. And yeah, there's that scene where she meets Keith at a nighttime volleyball game because Keith Ranieri like, loved gathering people to play nighttime volleyball. He'd have like protection on his knees and his, and his elbows. He's the biggest nerd imaginable. <laughs> he just is the biggest goober one could imagine. And you've got these really smart, attractive actors coming in like Alison Mack. And they meet Keith. And they just stare at him like he's God, partly because they've had three weeks of intense classes that have built him up to this level. And then they meet him. And yeah, she's just looking at him with adoration. And then, as you say, that scene played out where they have that interaction and she's just completely sold into his world. One difference, if we're just going to get nitty gritty, some of these other cults, they are looking for quick money or they're looking for love, I guess. But these people wanted personal fulfillment. They didn't just like want money or something quick or something tangible. They wanted personal fulfillment. Some of the celebrity people that joined up, Nikki Klein, who is in, I watched the remake of Battlestar Galactica religiously. So when these people popped up in the documentary, I was blown away. So Nikki Klein was in Battlestar. She still defends Keith Raniere to this day. So she's still deep in it. Then you had Grace Park from Battlestar Galactica. She got out really early. She's in Hawaii 5 now. And you had Bonnie, who was from Attack of the Clones, who's coming back to do the new Obi-Wan Kenobi oh, series. Wow. She got out pretty early. But you've got people who are successful. See, it works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, David, I'm sorry. We have to pause because this is so important. I'm so okay. sorry. Really derailing us. And I can't remember if this was on Flightless Bird or Armchair and Dangerous, where you told us that Ross was your favorite Friends character. Okay, and we all yeah, laughed and laughed Bird at your revelation face. That's coming up. Yeah. Oh, Easter great. Egg. Okay, yeah. Easter egg. Anyway, Ross is David's favorite Friends character, and we laughed and laughed when he said that. But then I've been rewatching in my little sea sickness. I love Ross. She's like super that, horny for Ross now. It's weird. Thank you. 
you, you're just clocking this for the first time? Because yes. to me, it was obvious from the first day I saw him. No, he's sexy. You guys, I'm sure I'll be late to this party. Okay, but, sorry. But, but, we can but, take but this conversation totally offline, back Monica. on track, sorry. David, you're the vanguard. You were the first one in on Ross. Look, if Ross Geller called me Vanguard, I'd, I don't know what I'd do with myself. <laughs> I'm totally willing to call you Vanguard, David. I I just want to offer that. It wouldn't, wouldn't bother me at all. <laughs> now, I, I um, as usual, I like talking to people that have insight into these various topics that we tackle. So, of course, I wanted to track down some former... Nexium members for this episode. And I tried all the stars from Battlestar Galactica, but I couldn't get a hold of them. I ended up tracking down Sarah Edmondson and Anthony Ames, who in the Vow documentary, Sarah Edmondson got in really deep. She got into the sex cult side of Nexium. Her and her partner Anthony, aka Nippy, they left the cult. She's written a book about it since. I love them as a couple, by yeah, the way. Me too. Yeah. Like I just was like, oh, I love their relationship. Yeah, they're amazing. And they kind of exited at different times, but they're still together. And they, they do a podcast at the moment called A Little Bit Culty, which is really good. It's just about <laughs> different cults from, from their perspective. It's a really great show. And her book, Scarred, is really amazing because we'll get to this, but she ended up being branded by the founder's initials, which is a whole other level. But yeah, I tracked them down. And the first thing I asked them basically was, when did they look up and go, holy shit, I'm in a cult because they were in this thing for about 12 years. So that was my first question to them. It's not necessarily one moment. It's many things over time. You can't reconcile, but because of cognitive dissonance and your sunk cost fallacy and all the investment into this whole thing, they call it shelving it. So you see something, can't wrap your head around, and you put it on the shelf. Really, I was questioning from day one of my first intensive, but I also was committed to giving it a go and I wanted my money back and I like this community and all these other things, all these good things that trumped the negative feelings. Cut to the end of my time there, the big things that I really questioned, one of them was there was a promotion meeting where we were sitting around with all the higher ranks. I was a green sash by this point and they were going to promote somebody who hadn't met the criteria and the criteria were very specific. I was told that Keith can decide to promote anyone whenever he wanted. And I was shocked by that because that's not ethics. It's not integrous. And I pushed back for the first time. And I had been always a very obedient sheep. <laughs> I'd always been a good girl. And I realized about myself since is that like I was outwardly obedient, but I was internally my like authentic self versus my cult self is what they call it in cult recovery. My cult self was very like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. But I wasn't okay with it inside. But I also knew that if you questioned, you got publicly shamed, you got ridiculed, you got outed. There's all sorts of shitty things that happened if you were not on board with whatever was happening. They had their own cancel culture. Yeah, it was a cancel culture <laughs> within Nexium. And you'd be outed and it'd be awful if you were on the outs. So this is the first time I was like, wait, that can't be right. And I got so gaslit and shit on so hard by not only my peers, there's only 12 or 13 people in the green meeting. And they were basically telling me I was being controlling, that I was anti-tribute to Keith, that I was being suppressive and all these things, which are like the worst things you could be. <laughs> and which is the first time that I was so angry. I was so pissed and I couldn't reconcile what was happening. Yeah. And that little thing pushed everything I imagine over and made all those other things start to come together. Yes. Yes. So it's kind of remarkable that this little logical thing she wasn't happy with in the logic of the group was the thing that sent her over the edge as opposed to like all the craziness of branding, etc. 
Yeah. Your world can get so telescopic that you cannot see outside of it. Two things hit me from that is she learned this in cult recovery. There's enough people in America that have been in one that required a specific version of therapy. That's pretty eye-opening. Second, other ding, ding, ding words in there as well. One is shelving. So are you watching Under the Banner of Heaven? No, it's on my list. Mm. It's really, really good. And I want to be delicate because we have a lot of Mormon listeners and I know a lot of great, great Mormons. So I'm not in any way implying anyone's anything. But there is a point in it where um, he's asking about the original teachings of Joseph Smith, which include polygamy. And the response pretty much was just keep that on the shelf. The shelf was used in that. And then I also Uh, think suppressive is an interesting word because that's a very popular word in Scientology as well as a suppressive person. Yeah, that's something I found interesting when talking to Sarah and Nippy about this because they would be talking in normal conversation with me and then they would drop in words that were words from Nexium and from Cultland and they wouldn't stop and explain to me what anti-tribute means or Mm. what suppressive means. It's just in their lingo and I think that will probably never go away. Yeah. Stay tuned for more, if you dare. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah, easy peasy? So easy. Well, the best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. We are supported by ZipRecruiter. Are there some fantastic concerts coming to your city this summer? Mine too. In fact, Anderson Pack's playing at the Hollywood Bowl. I can't wait for it. Ooh, that's exciting. If you want to be sure to see your favorite artist, you need to jump on it right away. I've already DM'd him saying, yes, I got to be in that front row. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. It's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. So what's the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Got your eye on a rock star candidate? ZipRecruiter's invite to apply feature lets you cut the line. Once you review ZipRecruiter's list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply to encourage them to apply sooner. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We are supported by BetterHelp. Listen, I understand that sometimes you want to keep things to yourself, process your emotions in your own time. But if you keep everything bottled up, it can have some serious consequences. 
I have therapy on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. I had therapy this morning. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and it put me in the greatest mood. We had a long, big day, and I just felt much better for having you were some... not to out you. You were a little grumpy going in. I was. I was. I was to be <laughs> Robin, specific. I received some texts. Yeah, I was morning. locked out of my therapy setting, <laughs> which is this attic. <laughs> but then you felt much better after. I felt much better, and I even made some apologies. Um, talking things out can be so helpful, and if you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend therapy. Check out BetterHelp if you've been thinking of trying therapy. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for any reason for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DAX today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DAX. I got to say one thing about AA. So people will accuse AA mm. of being a cult. And I always say, well, it's, mm. it's not because it doesn't have a charismatic leader and there's no money being exchanged. Those are my defenses of it. But I will say just recently, there's a kind of common thing in there. This tripped me out because I watch so much cult stuff and I realized it is a tenant of cults, which is in AA, they say you can't put anything in front of AA because without AA, you won't have anything else, right? Like if you're not sober, you're not going to have a family. If you're not sober, you're not going to have a job. So you can't put the job of in front of AA or the job goes away. It's all logical, but it's also very weird to say you can't put anything in front of AA. Why don't they just say in front of sobriety? That would be better. Yeah, and maybe they do. <laughs> <laughs> but it, implicit in that, you can't put any anything in front of your sobriety means being His at a program. meeting. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so that was the one element because I remember telling a sponsor, like, I hate to tell you this, but if my wife said it's between me and AA and you'll never see your family again, I hate to tell you this, I'm leaving AA. Well, yeah, because the whole point is so that you can keep your family. Yeah, in the first so like place. you get sober so I can have this the also, promises. That would be a bad that'd be a bad wife though. It'd be a terrible wife, but also in reality, <laughs> if I've got to pick in some bizarre set of circumstances, I'm picking my children over Hey, hey, or my sobriety. If it's to keep my kids I got to use, I'll do it. You know, I'm fucking, nothing's going above, I know, I wish, I wish. Nothing's going above my kids. But this is a common tenant of all these cults, which is. Okay, but, 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 I guess what they're saying is like, don't choose to just watch TV on the couch with your kids instead of going to a meeting because you're actually putting those kids at risk. You're putting that relationship at risk. It's a totally sound statement. You can always find the but logic. Guess, that was the first time I was like, oh, yeah, I don't really question that when it's said because everyone around me agrees. And that's just a little hint of how a power of a culture works. Does AA need that inbuilt into its DNA to make it work? You're there because you've got this thing that has such a pull on your life. Do you need to set up those cult-like boundaries for it to actually cut through to your human brain, you know? I don't remember that being written anywhere in the big book. It's just something I hear all the time at meetings and from sponsors I've had. What's the big book? It's the Bible of AA, how it works, huh. like what an alcoholic is, how you get sober. Here are the steps. Right. Here are some stories. But I don't think that's actually written, which goes to show like how man manipulates anything that's good. I don't even say there's a manipulation. The point is... <laughs> I need someone to point to me the dude who has a bunch of followers who who could be trusted. 
I don't think it's in a human to have people worship him and keep it on the rails. You mean a self-proclaimed leader? Yes, a vanguard. Okay. Oh, and yeah, yeah, you're yeah, yeah, antithetical yeah. to me as a force and you're suppressing the leader. I don't know yeah, who yeah, yeah. could have that, who doesn't manipulate it to that their power. own. Yes. Yeah, I know. I agree. Yeah, I've been writing a lot about narcissistic church leaders lately in my newsletter and they all start kind of okay, but after enough time, they end up just kind of being pretty monstrous with their ego. When you think you've got all the answers and no one else does, I think that's when you run into some pretty big problems, right? It's more than just, I have all the answers. It's if if I don't have the answer, do I lose this congregation of people who look up to me? So now I kind of panic have to have all the answers out of my fear that I can't be fallible in front of these people and admit I don't know things and that I'm confused and lost. Well, Keith Ranieri kind of doubled down on a lot of this stuff when it started happening. So Nexium started in 98, which is what, 24, 25 years ago now, which is a long time ago. By the time it was 2014, there were starting to be reports and blogs written about this organization maybe being a little bit dicey and a little bit cult-like. So that's when Keith kind of pivoted into different control mechanisms to keep people in. So one thing he'd do, he'd say to members, if you're sort of upper echelon, you've got some pretty good sashes by this point, and you really believe in this place, you have to give me collateral so that you um, show that you're really a part of this thing. So collateral took a few forms, and collateral was just a word he came up with for this thing. You could, for instance, give a nude photo, and just knowing that Keith and the the leaders had that nude photo of you meant that you were really showing how dedicated you were oh. to this thing. The idea being, if you left, the nude photo would get leaked. Uh, he made people give false confessions. He'd make someone like sit down in front of a camera and say, "I hate my brother because of this thing," and give this really like awful family altering take on a loved one that he'd then have on camera. Or write letters to parents. How yeah. did people get past this phase? This is what I'm not. <laughs> well, but here's the thing. When you hear it on day one, you're out. But if you hear it on year 13, and you've been slowly inched closer and closer to that, Ugh. what you can't say is that any of the people were dumb. They weren't. And by this time as well, there were thousands of members. It wasn't a 50-person cult. Sarah herself opened up an organization of Nexium in Vancouver, where she was from. So this thing was spreading everywhere, and it had a lot of people. Keith was also super smart. There were all these little internal groups started popping in within the umbrella of Nexium. So you had The Knife, which was his media organization. Really professional. They had a lot of money by this point. And they would put out press releases and front people on TV talking about how great Nexium was. Then they had another group, which was called Janus, was just like this woman's group. The men had the Society of Protectors. That oh. was like the men's group, oh which is a very God. funny title. <laughs> also, some <laughs> of the, the so footage of those meetings is so rough. They're oh. patriarchal, of course, ultimately. Horrible. Getting a whole <laughs> lot of Nexium men together to talk about man stuff, pretty depressing to watch what comes oh. out of it. Oh. Like, it's truly awful. And that's where DOS formed. And DOS is where Nexium kind of transformed from self-help weirdness into full-blown sex cult. So DOS was Keith Ranieri's idea. It stood for Dominus Obsequitus Sororium, where basically you would be brought into slavery under Keith. By this point, what Keith had done is he'd got really close with Alison Mack, who was this really cool actor off Smallville. And everyone thought that she was the boss of DOS. So she was the one that had this superwoman's group that you wanted to join, having no idea that Keith was the one actually 
pulling the strings. Above her, yeah. She was supposed to be the peak of the pyramid, and she had slaves, but you were going to get slaves, so don't worry. Yeah, you're a slave now. It sucks, but you're going to have slaves yourself. They'd restrict your calories, which is a technique used in prisoner war camps. It's a well-known outcome to restricting people's calories, what it does to them. It breaks them mentally. And he loved emaciated, ill-looking girls. And women were emaciated to the point where their hair was falling out. Like This was such an extreme level of control that Keith had over them. And, you know, Nippy had left by this point. He'd kind of bailed. But Sarah was thinking of leaving because this whole thing was kind of just falling apart in front of her. But weirdly, DOS, the formation of this group, was the thing that sucked her right back into this whole thing. So, yeah, this is her story with that. I was pulling back. They brought me in again with this whole DOS, Women's Society, Secret Sisterhood. It's like, okay, I've got to get back on my growth path. I got to like recommit. I got to like dig in. And I did. And then there was a lot of red flags. It happened very, very quickly, committing to be a part of this group. And then once I was in, finding out that I had to give new collateral every month, including the deed to my home. If Keith hadn't started that all women's group and started fucking branding people, he may have gotten away with this for longer. That was this move that is so unreal to me because I know that a narcissist expects everything just to work out and for them to be able to be immune to any kind of criticism. But if you're going to physically scar someone, other people are going to see that and surprise, surprise, they're going to be shocked. Yep, nailed it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The physical abuses that went on were a manifestation of the abuse, emotional abuses that have been going on for a long time. So those are the symptoms. I would say something like, you know, people are being branded and the people that were loyal be like, yeah, but it was consensual. I would go, no, like what the fuck is going on? And it's consensual tells me that it's even worse. worse. (laughs) They don't know what they're looking at. So that was a telltale thing of like, when people say that, they've dismissed the abuse, they've dismissed the victim, and they're looking to justify whatever is going on. And that's a dangerous psychology in itself. Yeah, that I said, Master, would you brand me? It would be an honor, as I was instructed to do. And then later that came out in the trial, Keith telling Allison, ask them to ask for it so that it looks consensual. (laughs) That's all laid out. Oh, my God. It's pretty weird to hear people talking about it so openly about something so utterly batshit. I'm amazed at Sarah and Nippy about how open they are about this stuff. I think it's incredible. Yeah, I'm so impressed with them. Me too. I am curious from your Kiwi point of view, because, you know, we have liberty as a religion in this country. It is a very hard line. If you and I, David, want to form a group where we hit each other in the head with two by fours and we both (laughs) want to do that, we should have the right to do that. And then if an outsider goes, huh, I think Dax isn't as smart as David. Probably this was David's idea. And really, he just wants to hit Dax with a two by four. (laughs) It's very tricky because, you know, we do kind of believe we have the right to destroy ourselves in any way we see fit if we have liberty. So it's murky. I can see why it took a while. Hearing that laid out, which is he made them say a phrase so that he could protect himself. You have to hear all of that to know the level of gaslighting and brainwashing. And like, that's real. Yeah, it was so cynically planned out in his mind. But you're like, you're right. There's a reason. You know, he's been sentenced to 120 years in prison. He's appealing, but chances are he's never going to get out in his lifetime. But there are still members of Nexium who are out there who will turn up at the prison sometimes outside and protest saying that everyone chose to do this and it's a decision and we're all free and I got some really good stuff out of Nexium. Sure, some of this terrible stuff happened, but it didn't happen to me. 
But I do think where they jump the shark is with collateral. No matter what, once you have collateral, now you're definitely guilty of blackmailing. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to circle back a bit more to her experience in this because Sarah did get branded. You can Google her and you can see the brand and she is open about that. And brands aren't like tattoos. You can't get rid of a brand. So the people that were branded in Nexium will always have that scar. And she never was involved in sex with Keith or anything, but it was the branding that happened to her. So I wanted to talk to her and say, like, what was the deal with that? I was told that I was going to get a small, very pretty tattoo the size of a dime, which I was reluctant to get for a very specific reason. I have a Jewish background. You're not allowed to. The night of the ceremony, it turned out to be a branding and it was not a small dime. It was two inches by two inches and it was hideous. The symbol was supposed to be a representation of the elements. There's water and air and fire and it's on my body and it's on my strength and it's to unite all the sisters together and they do it in sororities and like we're a sorority of badass bitches and blah, blah, blah. So I agreed to it. And also, other than Lauren, I was the highest ranking member of Nexium in that group of women. I was a green sash. And Lauren pulled me aside and says, you're the leader here. That meant something to me. I got to show them how it's done. And I just muscle through and get it over with. I didn't see another option. And she had collateral over my head. Yeah, just your house and many other things. Yeah. And photos and false confessions and all these things that they had procured to keep me in line. And you can never consent to something when there's force or coercion or anything used like that against you. That's not consent. So I've since learned that and I'm very loud about it. So that's how you end up being branded on a table in an actor's house. Well, and the creepiest thing is when the brand was pitched to her, she thought it was just kind of a design. It kind of looked like maybe like a mountain and something else. At that time, she still believed that the Gale was at the top of the pyramid and she had no idea that this symbol was actually his initials. Well, it's hers and his, right? Yeah, it's Alison Mack and Keith Raniere. So you look at it and it's like a jamble of lines. It could be like a mountain maybe. And then if you turn it on its side suddenly you see both of their initials. And that's the part in the documentary, The Vow, that would just blew my mind. You couldn't write something like a twist that wild. You're looking at yourself in the mirror at this brand that you've just gotten. And you like turn your head to the side and you're like, oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously. It's like from like a Judd Apatow movie the or something. Vanguard's initials. Ugh. At this point, Keith was also actively sleeping with members of DOS. He had gotten people pregnant He had forced women to have abortions. It was getting pretty hideous at this time. The wreckage was accumulating. Yeah. I got to add, I have said, and people hate this, and I'm going to say it again. I have no objection to the Dalai Lama, like anything the Dalai Lama said. I don't think he puts anything negative out in the world. I, I understand he's very important to people. I don't think someone that evolved should feel comfortable with the fact that he has his own city. And when he goes there, he's worshiped. I also think it's very weird that he's for hire. And in fact, a way to bolster the validity of this organization is that he was a guest of theirs and was clearly paid. So we got to admit that. Like, that has to be on the record. You can get him to come to your shitty organization and put his stamp of approval on it. Yeah, they got him to come to Cult Central in Albany. He's being filmed. He's on a couch with Keith and the other co-founder. And there they are having a great time. And that is clearly a cash job. He'll just turn up and validate it. And they petitioned and they worked at it. Keith went over to see the Dalai Lama. That interaction didn't go so well. Yeah. (laughs) 
no, he got a bit annoyed at that point. But even up to that and all this press was out, they still ended up getting him to come to Albany, which is just chaos. Mm. Yeah. Again, just no one should have a city. Well, the Pope. He shouldn't have a city. Yeah. No yeah. human should yeah, have a city. I'm, no, I'm with you on both of those I'm things. Sorry. And yet it was pretty depressing footage seeing the Dalai Lama essentially giving a thumbs up to a cult leader's empire. When by that point, if you Googled Nexium, there was some pretty negative press coverage around. It wasn't like it was all hidden away at this stage. Stay tuned for more, if you dare. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank, USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Natrol. Sleep is a big deal. If you're not getting your Z's in, then it just makes everything so much more difficult and you feel a long way from the top of your game. So every now and then, not being able to get sleep and stay asleep is so annoying and you think, ah, if only there was something that could help. Well, there's sleep and then there's Natrol Sleep. Natrol is America's number one drug-free sleep aid brand, helping you fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer. Natrol melatonin gummies are made with clean ingredients like 99% pure melatonin to work with your sleep cycle, helping you sleep better, making the next day your best day. Natrol, sleep tonight, live tomorrow. Click, tap, or visit natrol.com to shop now. This product helps with occasional sleeplessness. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent diseases. We are supported by Wayfair. Home should be your happy place, a space where you can relax and just enjoy yourself, whatever that looks like for you. Whether you want the ultimate man cave, a cozy Victorian-inspired nook for reading, an area for family movie night filled with all things retro or something else. And if you need help creating that space, I recommend Wayfair. It's the place to shop for everything home, from sofas to dining tables, beds, rugs, wall art, and more. I bought a KitchenAid mixer? mixer on Wayfair. You can really get anything on there. And I'm helping a friend redo his living room. And we just... You're just on Wayfair nonstop. Yep. Yeah, it's one-stop shop. It is. They have fast, free shipping. They have everything you need for your home inside and out. They have a huge selection of home goods and a variety of styles. Whatever you're into, Wayfair is the go-to destination to help bring your vision to life. Every style is welcome in the Waberhood. Visit Wayfair.com or get the Wayfair mobile app. That's W-A-Y-F-A-I-R.com. Wayfair. Every style, every home. Do we know anything about Keith's childhood? No. I'm curious about that because he must have some trauma or something. Very powerful judo champ at six years old. He probably felt so powerless. I mean, I don't like him, obviously, but 
You're not just born this person. I think he had little man complex. He was a little nerd. His main objective was to, to get to see how physical, what his physical prowess as a volleyball player is so telling. I know. Like anytime he wanted to come talk, if you got special enough to have some time with him, it was at two in the morning on the volleyball court where all the parishioners would just watch <laughs> him play volleyball as if he was great at it. Yeah. I've just done a very scientific thing and just Wikipedia'd Keith Raniere's <laughs> childhood. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he was he was born nineteen sixty to an advertising executive. He described his mother as an alcoholic, although I wouldn't trust what Keith had to say about his mother. And parents separated when he was eight. Ranieri's former partner, Barbara, has shared stories about Keith's childhood, which she claimed to have been told by his father James. What we did is we told Keith about how gifted and intelligent he was. And he said it was almost like a switch went off. And suddenly overnight, he turned into like a Jesus Christ kind of figure. Whoa. He was superior and better than everybody else, like he was a deity. He said it was that dramatic and profound. He said it went right to his head. Mm. You kind of be careful what you tell your kids. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It can all go wrong. <laughs> so by this point, he was sleeping with a lot of people in DOS. He had gotten people pregnant. What I was curious about was when Sarah actually properly snapped out of this whole thing. I'm just like, I've got to get the hell out of here. And this is what she had to say. So Keith taught us when we explained to people what Nexium felt like was to use the movie The Sixth Sense, trying to explain to somebody what an awareness or an aha or a perceptual shift feels like. It's like you're going through the movie and things are a bit weird and this kid is talking to like somebody under a table and then at the end you're like, oh my God, Bruce Willis is dead. Holy shit. Oh, and it's like satisfying and you go back and they used to call it recapitulate. You see the movie again with fresh eyes from a different perspective and you go, that's why he wasn't talking to his wife, she couldn't see him because he's a ghost. It all makes sense. So if I was recruiting you, David, and thanks, I was like, that's what our curriculum feels like. You have these ahas and you can never watch The Sixth Sense again because now you know the truth. And it sounds like this amazing thing that I want. Of course I want to experience that. Yeah, and you want to know what's really going on. So I started seeing all these things. Keith coming in with his flock of women and thinking, I thought that they were assisting him in his works, not that they just come back from a menage a trois over lunch break. Everything looked totally different. That's why they were all crying. That's why all the women were miserable. They all loved him and wanted his avatar child, and they couldn't have it. And so-and-so had just had three abortions, and everything made sense. Keith's a fucking con man. This whole thing's a sham. Oof. That little revelation, she just sort of had it going, oh, like, this is what this thing is. And she just could not unsee it once all those dominoes had fallen over. Well, ironically, the thing they promised her she'd get, she sure she got. <laughs> yeah. Clarity. She had the moment, the sixth sense moment, the unintended one. But she had it. And then she looked back and was like, oh, right, that was bullshit. This was bullshit. I am extremely impressed by them and all the people who left because... To admit that you gave so much of your life to something that was bullshit, that is so hard to come to and accept and leave. Oh, I think it's even, yeah, more it's embarrassing brave. than being molested or many of the things that people struggle to say out loud. I yeah. think it's much harder. Even a scam, it's super underreported because it's embarrassing. Well, but a scam generally is like maybe a day of your life. Maybe it's five days of yeah. your life. The worst case, it was a month-long scam that got you. Like 12 years, man. Yeah. Knowing what you 
contributed to this. In the doc, a lot of their residual guilt is that not only were they a part of it, but they also spread it quite well. Yeah, I think Sarah at her Vancouver Nexium office, like they recruited about 2,000 people. So they had this huge thing when they left. They're like, great, we're out now. We know it's terrible. But what do we do for the 2,000 people that we're bought into this thing that are still in it and haven't had our revelation yet? How the fuck do we deal with that? Yeah. Oh. They called everyone and they started trying to tell them what they thought. And slowly, Nexium has mostly collapsed now, but it was this huge ordeal. They couldn't just walk away and forget about it. It was like, oh no, now we've got to try and unconvert these 2,000 people and all the people they have converted out of this thing. That's a pretty monumental task. The other thing I was curious about it was what Nexium is up to now, because Nippy and Sarah have obviously disconnected from this whole thing, but. They're pretty public. They've been in this big documentary series. They've written books about it. They do a podcast about cults. So they're still pretty plugged into the current Nexium universe. And this is where things are at right now. Are there still people that are loyal to Nexium? Yep. There's not many. For sure, there's like 20 that we know of and maybe up to 100 of people who aren't actively trying to get him out of jail, but just think that he's a good person and that, you know, we made shit up and we're just looking for attention or whatever smear campaign they want to buy. There were allegations when we were in and what they would say to us, have you ever experienced Keith doing anything like that? And I'm like, no, because I didn't experience it. So... And I go, look, I don't need to experience Hitler to know that what he did was bad. That's not a sound, logical perspective. What they're saying is, I'm a good person. I chose well defending their self-image, really, because who wants to be linked to anything negative or abusive or even worse, a sex cult? So yeah, the people in it, they're not ready to admit yet. I think that everything is bullshit, basically. Now... One element in the vow that they explored a lot was this woman whose daughter was involved in her multiple attempts to get her daughter out and speak reason to her daughter. The three questions I had after it ended is like, what happened with her daughter? B, how did they get Keith in court? And then what happened to the actress that was involved? No, those are all good questions. I think they kind of rushed that doc out as all this was unfolding in a way. So there are questions left unanswered. There was that incredible storyline with a mum trying to get her daughter out. The daughter did get out and she was involved in the trial. She gave testimony and she's okay. So it took her a long time to get out, but she had so much collateral over her and so much shame. The entire documentary, she was not leaving. She seemed so capable of so many. She was so beautiful and smart and likable. And then she turned into like an 80-pound android. It was pretty heartbreaking. It was so sad. Okay, so the doc ended with basically they've now got the, which ironically we ended up interviewing this guy and we had no idea. Barry Meyer. Barry Mm -hmm. Meyer became really involved and and got it well-deserved press, but none of the trials had started or anything. So was the trial straightforward and simple and verdict in in minutes? Relatively, it was a pretty weird trial. And it was surprising even what came out of that trial for Sarah and Nippy, who had been in Nexium for so long. There was like a lot of new awful things revealed. But essentially, Keith Ranieri and Alison Mack were both arrested on various federal charges. Some other people went down with them. Nancy Salzman, who was a cow founder. Where were the girls that were funding it? Were they the Smirnoff daughters? Claire Bronfman. She was the daughter of Edgar Bronfman. Oh, Seagram's. Sorry, Smirnoff. Yeah, Seagram's. The Seagram's liquor for And a bookkeeper as well, Kathy Russell. She also got indicted. Keith got 120 years. 
Alison Mack, she was the one that was tricking all these women into getting branded. Whereas Keith was like, I've done nothing wrong. Alison Mack was like, oh no, this is all horrific and awful and I'm incredibly apologetic. So she'll be out, I think, in three or four years. Whereas Keith's in for 120 years. Did he take the stand in this trial? If ever there was one I wish was on television, way above the herd Johnny (laughs) Depp thing, I, I wish that had been on TV. Me too. This is embarrassing. I don't know. All the court renderings I've seen, he's just sitting head down at the docks. So I don't know if he took the stand or not, but he's been very outspoken to the point now where he's filed an appeal and is trying to catch them out on various little things they brought up at the trial that he thinks they shouldn't have brought up at the trial. The police are very lucky that his training didn't take over when they were ushering him away. (laughs) His volleyball training? No, his judo training. Oh, okay. His (laughs) seven-year-old trophy he has, like Aaron Weekly. But, you know, we do hope... We don't hope, but just for fun, we hope that he is in a prison that does have volleyball, because for him... (laughs) He doesn't deserve volleyball. I I know, we said we don't, but also (laughs) I do, because guys, had he been up against any real opponents that didn't worship him, he would have quickly discovered on a prison yard how terrible he is at volleyball. I don't think it's a popular prison game, but I would (laughs) like it for the poetic justice for them to have it, invite him. And then just fucking spike on him every time. I wonder if he's spreading his word in prison, trying to do it there, too. I bet he is. He's still in touch with members on the outside. It's all monitored through the prison system, but he is able to talk to people. So Mm. I imagine inside he'll be still spreading his bullshit. I don't think he can help himself. He's still a narcissist. Can you do interviews with people in prison? Sometimes you can. The prison will let you. A lot of times they can't. I think since the advent of true crime podcasts and documentaries, prisons are a lot less likely. Usually the criteria to get an interview with a prisoner is news value. A news story is one thing. Interviewing someone for a podcast or a Netflix documentary is like a whole other kettle of fish. Because God, would I like to interview him? Oof. Oh, he'd be something else. I mean, yeah, something else I talked to Sarah and Nippy about was the, the trial and what they made of the whole thing. And this was their takeaways and what sort of shocked them about what they didn't already know. Every day was a shock. The first one being, and this is, I'm not going to say her last name, but it was in the trial. There was a woman named Sylvie who was a friend of ours who was married, who I didn't even know was in DOS. And she was the first person to testify. And she said part of her first assignment was to go and get naked and Keith went down on her as a part of her assignment to like break through her vulnerability issues and like her body issues. And I was horrified. I thought I knew everybody was in DOS. I'd made the tree of like everybody. And I was like, Sylvie was in DOS? What the fuck? And every day was like that. Lauren talking about how she had Daniela not locked up because the door was open, but she stayed in there for two years because it's a mental lockup. You do a whole other podcast on what happened to Daniela. And then also the fact that it came out in the trial that not only was Keith in love with and having sex with her, but also having sex with her other two sisters, one of whom was underage when it started. And the other one, she ended up having his baby. We found out that he's had sex with all three sisters. And the father of these sisters is still defending him. Well, I mean, as a parent, I think it'd be a very difficult thing to reconcile your complicit in your child's abuse. Yeah, because they brought the sisters there when they were underage. So I just think that's a self-preservation thing, bar none. Yeah. Suffice to say, we felt like we got off easy compared to what was going on behind the scenes. Wow. 
it's pretty rough, right? Like oh. there's elements where you sort of go, oh yeah, this thing started as a self-help group. How do we get to this? Did Keith plan this the entire time or is this just where it organically went to for him? That was full horrific. It was underage yeah. stuff, people being locked in rooms. It doesn't get any worse. I want to be on record saying don't ever follow a cult if I'm at the head of it, because I would have sex with everyone. Oh, Dax. I um, would if all these people want it. Well, hold on. That's bad. I, I know. <laughs> That's why I would never lead a cult. If you couldn't trust me in my 20s and 30s, if I had access to all these people, I would be a terrible person. Even underage? Not under. I didn't say underage, well, Monica. Well, he had underage. I'm okay? not saying that I'd have sex with all the members of a family or have kids with anyone. But I'm saying if you gave me access to everyone in my 20s, I wouldn't trust me. So don't join yeah, but it's my interesting, cult. You guys it's, stop it's listening limits, to right? armchair experts. <laughs> like, no, but it's like you know that you have the potential to like want to sleep with woman. That's in your brain. Yeah. But Keith's limit just goes somewhere to this entirely other place that he doesn't seem to have limits. I'm going to have sex with this person's kids. You at least know it's a problem. Oh, I know it's <sighs> a problem. Well, I do think he believed his own shit mm -hmm. enough that I think he thought he was doing a service to these people. Yeah. Like they were lucky to enjoy his cunnilingus or whatever. I know people oh. would be, I'm sorry. Should, oh my God, thinking of so him doing that. Word, his, with his sweatband on, his volleyball oh sweatband, his ponytail. Nasty. His knee pads from volleyball. Well, he's going to be kneeling, so. The New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> drop this huge piece on him. A lot of the members were involved in this reporting. So this was just before his arrest. Their article came out. He fled to Mexico with a few of his inner circle. He went to Mexico because he had started a Nexium group in Mexico and he had contacts there. And apparently when he was arrested, him and his inner circle were preparing for what he called a recommitment ceremony. What that was going to be was basically everyone giving him oral sex as a way to show their dedication to the group. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's your idea to get people to, like, double down again. It's just you're all going to give me oral sex. It's like got a galaxy brain. I don't know how you end up that far removed, right? It's amazing how fragile our mental states are yep. thinking about the woman who's quote locked in the room with the door open but she's locked in the room for two years and she can walk out but she can't because she's literally been brainwashed and that's how powerful it is it's crazy it's so it's scary it's almost more horrific than the door actually being physically it locked is right a hundred percent no one's going to like this because there are real victims. I just can't help but he has some staying power to receive blowjobs from a dozen people. It's worth <laughs> noting, I guess. Why? Or maybe it's not worth no, it's noting. Not. I just couldn't get through 12 people, oh. I guess. David, could you? No comment. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wouldn't know. But he doesn't know either because fortunately he never got to find out because they fucking arrested his ass, which is so satisfying and so good. Yes, yes. Maybe in prison he's found a way to make his dreams come true. true. I don't know. I briefly talked to Nippy because he had left at one point, kind of like came back in occasionally because obviously his wife was in there still. And I asked him like if he'd ever clocked that all this stuff was going on because like, you get a sense of these things, surely. You know when your friends are suddenly hooked up and they haven't told you, you can kind of tell. I mean, I've had that moment in my youth. I felt left out. Like, is everyone hooking up but me? <laughs> Nippy had that thought as well. I happened to be there one time when one of the women I've since found out that he was fucking was in our group and another person, there's four of us, and he kind of pops by and he recognizes she's kind of angry and he puts his hand on his shoulder and he goes, I'll try saying it softer. 
and she starts crying. I was like, if I didn't know any better, I'd say he was fucking her because he knew to do that. He knew what buttons to touch. It was pillow talk in the group. But in my head, I'm like, he wouldn't do that because it's so inappropriate to me that it had to be to him. But turns out I was right. And I clocked that like a year after I left. I was like, oh my God, I remember this time. That all made sense later. When you're in a group like that, or you're even sort of on the outs, but you're still around it, you just sort of assume that everyone maybe has the same moral compass that you have. And so you kind of give people the benefit of the doubt when you probably shouldn't. Mm -mm -mm. This happens a lot when your loved one finally acknowledges they're an addict. You go through your entire history and all these things all of a sudden make sense that you were like, eh, that's weird. Eh, I'm going to keep moving. Yeah, That's a little off. But then once you have that knowledge, you, you look back and everything, yeah, all of a sudden makes a ton of sense. I mean, I can't imagine what that feels like to know you've been misled and duped. Well, other than when I was a kid, which changed my life. So yeah, I can't imagine what that's You're like. You're being duped as an adult is a particularly shameful experience. You don't want to admit that ever. Yes. Yeah. We talked about this episode a bit before we, I sort of started recording these interviews and I was kind of curious about your theory that you raised earlier, Dex, as far as why these women were so infatuated with them. So I put your theory to Nippy and mm. just kind of wanted his take on this. And this is what both of them had to say. So I was talking to Dex. He had a theory, and I'm curious to run it by you. He got a sense that what Keith did so well is that Keith made himself to be this absolute genius, one of the smartest people alive. And you've got these people who join Nexium who are also incredibly smart. And something he would do when talking to them is that he would ask them a question, they would respond, and essentially he would agree with it and maybe give you a bit more. And just in the fact for those people that you've got an absolute genius agreeing with you is this really wonderful thing. You call that rapport skills. Yeah, it's called rapport. So he even taught this in a module. So the first time that we probably connected one-on-one, -on -one, I'm not OCD, but I have some OCD tendencies. I like things a certain way. And he like connected with me about that how that's a sign of intelligence to be that meticulous. And then I felt better about myself because Keith also had some of the same traits as me. It's total bullshit. We would look to find an entry point to connect so you felt safe with him. Also that he was really good at neuro-linguistic programming. He'd modulate his voice looking into his eyes. He'd be like, why does that make you upset? Yeah, that's a technique. And that in combination with touching. He used to do this thing. He'd put his hand up because you're talking to him. You put your hand up too. And then he'd start touching your hands in certain points. Shit like that. <laughs> Shit no. like that. Shit like that is gross and scary. <sighs> These people are everywhere. Okay. Uh, you guys are better people than me. I know it because I would never use it Oh, no. No, but hold Are on. you thinking? I can see your hands rubbing together, Dex. No, no, no. I'm thinking. You actually are rubbing your hands together. Like, oh, yeah, because like I have a little piece maniacal. of tissue that I've just blown my nose on that I'm putting, <laughs> making into a stick. But that's neither here nor there. I want to know the technique. I want to learn about the modulating your voice. I want to like see a study on what do you do to get this result. I yeah. want to do yeah. it in a safe place to Aaron or something and see if I can manipulate him into making me a sandwich. No. I just no. once. Like, I Not want, Aaron. I, I'm curious what these techniques are, as I'm sure a lot of people are. There's all these books on persuasion yeah. and whatnot. It's fascinating because it works. Yeah, I think I know. that's what's scary is this bullshit yeah. really does work on people and i want to know Smart what it is people. so i a don't fall for it 
I'll be like, just yeah. repeat that in a you're consistent not, tone. You're not at risk. Dupable. <laughs> okay, but I would like to dupe Aaron into something. No, I'm going to oh, tell him well, to be on that lookout. Well, a friendly thing that benefits both of us. Okay, how how is him making you a sandwich benefiting him? We both love salami sandwiches. <laughs> we do. He'd be happy after he ate it. I fucking would bet my life on it. I am texting. Do him. you have any? Uh, <laughs> Do you like want to know what the tricks are? Yeah, I'm deeply curious about it. It's that very simple thing. It's like some people are really good at making friends, right? And other people aren't. Some people are charming and some aren't. You can literally learn techniques to make yourself more approachable and more friendly. And Keith just took that to a whole other bonkers level, essentially, right? Yeah. Oof. I felt famous when you said my name in that question. I felt like you were famous. Yeah, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I got this weird. It's me starting to work on you. It's me starting to validate your existence. This would be like an inverse vanguard. Like you'd have me thinking I was the vanguard. Like you've already started it. You said my name in there as if that needed no other explanation. You've caught me in the process. We have learned something from this episode. That's so good. Now Wait, what? Now he's confirming that I'm smart. Are like, you modulating his voice? Yeah, he's fucking with me. Like, now he just said I'm so bright that oh I caught that. Oh, my God. And so now I feel validated by David. When do I suck your penis? When does this start? <laughs> <That's so cute. laughs> I need to get a few more people lined up, and then we'll do it. You're not going to last. Science. <laughs> <laughs> ah, sexual sorry. harassment. No, what? it's not. He's the one in control. <laughs> I'll be fucking David and going, why are you making me do this? <laughs> <laughs> the door is open. The door is wide open. <laughs> Look, the last thing that blew my mind about this whole cult is that the entire time Keith was forming this thing, he was videotaping all of it. He got this documentary maker, Mark Vicente, to come along. Did Mark make the vow? Yeah, he is one of the directors of The Vow. Yeah. So he essentially was a Nexium member who was brought in to document the cults in a positive way. Keith was like, you need to film what I'm doing because it's so genius and people want to learn about it. He had made a successful movie before joining. I remember watching it in New Zealand. And after that, he basically got drawn into Nexium, started filming everything. And then obviously at some point, all that footage was removed and was used in a documentary that was very anti-Nexium. But the narcissism of Keith Raniere to think that he could film this whole process and that would somehow be a positive. I love that that all got turned on its head in a way. The sex stuff was secret, everything else about his genius. And it wasn't like he was filming branding sessions, but everything else was pretty much documented. It was bad. Right? Well, no, I would say he absolutely believed in the tenets of Nexium, the ones that were stolen from Landmark and Asp. No, yeah, I mean the sex cult part. Oh, the sex cult, for sure. That's why secrecy and collateral was necessary. Right. But he was mostly filming the organization Nexium, not DOS. I'm not talking about the filming. I just mean, do you think he was telling the women that he was having sex with, this is great and this is what you're supposed to do, but other people won't understand, so be quiet? Totally. Yeah, okay. It's hard to imagine anything he would say that would make that make sense, but he had people so sucked in at that point that anything went. Back to his closed-loop circle of approval and worship actually did make him delusional, to your point, David, which is he invited this filming, assuming, yes, everyone will see this as the truth and a great deed, and I am a genius. No fear that he'd be revealed in this filming yeah that's what's curious he sees himself in a very false way at some point 
totally. Sarah and Nippy are all in this footage as well. So much of them is in the documentary because so much was filmed by Mark Vicente when he was making the positive documentary about Nexium. So that was the final thing I put to them. Isn't it weird that this documentary exists partly because of Keith wanting it to be shot in the first place? His arrogance. And yeah, this is what Sarah and Nippy had to say about it. Wasn't it incredible that Keith essentially hired a documentarian to document the formation <laughs> of a cult and yeah. that documentarian turned and suddenly you've got all this footage literally showing how all this shit went down? Yep. It's madness. The poetic justice of Keith's narcissism working against him is mm. mind-blowing on a daily basis. It's insane. The results of the trial, how did you feel? Keith is fucking away. He's done. 120 years. 120 years. years. Uh, oh, wait, 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 wait. 120 years and five years probation, sir. <laughs> yeah, so we would have been very happy with life in prison, <laughs> but, you know, 120 years really makes us all feel safer because knowing him, he'll find some sneaky way to get out early. But the thing is, he's still talking to people from jail, so... Yeah, he's still informing them. Of course he is. Yeah, of course. I mean, the calls are being monitored and everyone's being monitored, but he still has influence and that's unfortunate. But we just try to move on with our lives and do the best that we can with the knowledge we have now. Oh my God. Do you think he'll run for president from prison? Yeah. First ever. Oh. First ever. And they have to build a cage in the Oval Office, put <laughs> bars on the... <laughs> it's very novel and proprietary. Weirder things have happened. Well, I'll say Putin right now is an example. He's Keith Ranieri himself. He's lost perspective of what his powers are. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't that way 10 years ago. I don't know. 10 years ago, he was like doing the circuit. He was on 60 Minutes. He was kind of persuasive. He, he wrote this pretty cool... New York Times op-ed piece that I even read and was like, that's not a bad point. But wasn't he still killing people mm -hmm. and stuff? That's not my point. Like, Keith Raniere has always uh, had nefarious goals. Putin's always had nefarious goals. But Putin had a good self-awareness and objectivity about what the rest of the world thought about mm -hmm. him and how he could move through it. Yeah. And because he built this, he can't be fired, he's impenetrable to any criticism, he himself has lost clearly total perspective on what his self awareness used to sh tell him yeah i guess when you're told you're amazing for like 10 years you eventually just think whatever you do you'll probably just be able to get away with this too so let's try branding some people and no one's partners will think that's weird and it'll be okay and i can just keep having sex with everyone it's true when somebody goes through life or a long period of time where nobody tells them no i'm sure it actually changes your brain chemically one final bit of trivia about all this that I find kind of remarkable is Alison Mack. I went back over her Twitter history, and her Twitter history is great. This is a tweet from 19th of February 2016 from Alison Mack at Emma Watson. I participate in a unique human development and women's movement I'd love to tell you about. Oh my God. As a fellow actress, I can relate so much to your vision and what you want to see in the world. I think we could work together. Let me know if you're willing to chat. Oh, my God. She was trying to get Hermione. She oh. was trying to get Emma Watson branded just above her vagina with her initials, which is not what you would get from that tweet. Wowie. Okay. <laughs> a friend of mine who I know from the program was taking a train from New York City up to where he lives, and he was seated next to her for a very long time on the train. They right. talked forever. He gets off the train. A month or two goes by, maybe a year. He learns all this stuff about her and Nexium, and he feels so 
left out that she didn't even pitch it to him. <laughs> like she was <laughs> proselytizing everyone. And he, she had his ear for two hours. He's in show business and she made no effort to invite him into the oh cult. God. And he feels really bummed out by it. It's so funny, isn't it? Maybe she was more focused on the women at that point. Doss. She might have moved into like not general um, procurement. Oh. Or... That's so <laughs> Isn't that funny. a great story? It's really, really good. Or when you've got an incredibly religious friend that doesn't try and convert you. You're yes. like, oh, so you want me to go to hell? Screw you. Mm -hmm. Try and convert me at least. Absolutely. Well, David, I love cults. I me love too. cult stuff. Mm, I'm glad to teach you some good tips on how to start your own <laughs> cult decks. Really pleased to have brought that to you. I just look forward to not having to put any effort into my jokes and just knowing that they'll all <laughs> land. <laughs> oh, you had pancakes for breakfast? Try slam cakes. <laughs> David, you, you're not going to be a good cult member. Let's try it again. What'd you have for <laughs> breakfast, David? A blueberry muffin. Uh. More like blueberry stuffing. <laughs> I actually did like it's that. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me what I have for breakfast. What'd you have for breakfast? Bull oatmeal. Bull oatmeal, smoke meal. Did <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, David? Oh my God. Say that again to David. I hate this game so much. <laughs> Oh my God, say that to David. David is literally squirming. Oh my God, say that to David. Did you hear this one, David? I said I had oatmeal. She said oatmeal, schmoatmeal. I'd be a great cult follower. Yeah. I could really aggrandize the leader. David? You'd be the hype. You'd be the Sheila. Mana. I would be Sheila. Yeah. Mana. Okay, David, ask me what I had for breakfast. What did you have for breakfast, X? <laughs> a bowl of cereal. Cereal, schmerial. That sounds... <laughs> Oh, I'm going. I hate this. I'm never be more uncomfortable. David said to Schmeriel. Oh, God, I can't even say it. It's such a good joke. I don't think I've ever physically wanted to squirm. He took Schmoatmeal and then he like raised no, it. No, that's up. the best. He ripped your joke yeah, off. That yeah. was already bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was a plagiarized bad joke. Double, triple whammy. I love you, David. Bye, David. Thanks, you guys. Bring us some schmoke meal and some schmooberry muffins. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye.